This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, uh, January 27th. This is episode 318. I'm Dan Ellis, joined by... Ryan Duffy. Still trying to get those plane tickets sorted out to go take revenge on every other Ryan Duffy. (laughs) This is just going to be a this is going to be an ongoing rolling deal. Yes, it's it's going to be an ongoing joke until I decide it's not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds fun. And we're excited to announce a new member of the Godless Revolution as well. You uh, long long time listeners to the show would recognize his voice and some of the contributions he's made to the show in the past. He's been a guest on the show several times in the past, has written a bunch of stuff for us, has participated. He's He's been a huge part of the show before now and is going to become a more regular, normal part of the show going forward. I would like to have everybody welcome Mr. Taylor Grin. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Thanks for having me on. I should have, I should have had the... Uh, the the, the audio thing. queued up for applause. Yeah, it's one of the buttons here on the board, but I can't remember which one. And if I just start mashing buttons, people will get upset. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the farts. That idea terrifies me. I never need applause. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tonight or today, we will be talking about the Satanic Panic. Uh, we just recorded a show on Sunday. I have been editing that. And have been super busy with work and a bunch of other shit around the house and dealing with stuff. I told, I told Taylor and Ryan that I have just been running around and, you know, from fire to fire today and, and basically all week. Today's, today's when I keep forgetting yeah. what day of the week it is. Um, but yeah, I've just been super busy and Ryan's schedule has shifted. So we will be recording on Wednesdays instead of Sundays now. So I am close to getting the, episode that we recorded on Sunday out that should be done after we finish up here. It'll be out tonight. And then this one will be going out. So everybody listening to this, uh, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't have a winner of our prize drawing because nobody has even heard the episode where I asked people to send us stuff to win a fancy prize. Uh, so we will yeah. be announcing the I, winner of that. I even checked our email yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there's been no episode where where we've asked for anything and told anybody they could win a prize. So that will be that will be going out tonight after this, and then hopefully uh, by next week I will have some submissions and an eventual winner for that. With all of that said, uh, you guys have done a bunch of work preparing for this because I just wasn't able to. So I'm going to kind of turn the time over to Mr. Duffy. What you got for us, Duffster? Well, I know I love rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take everybody down one right now. Okay. Now, I decided to go a little different with the satanic panic mm-hmm. uh, because normally we always talk about the same stuff. There's always the... Uh, the daycare cases, the uh, forced memory regression and all that bullshit, which we all know is fake. And that's usually the talking points that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But today I'm going to start us off in 1979 with a, a kid by the name of James Egbert. Uh, he was a child prodigy and went to uh, uh, Michigan State University, and he went missing at the age of 16. So yeah, he disappeared. He so also, so so he disappeared in 1979. 1979 at the age of 16 while attending Michigan State University. Okay. He started going to Michigan State University when he was 15 years old. Oh, wow. So yeah, he's a so smart, was, he's a smart feller. Oh, oh yeah. So he's fucking really smart. And uh, some people might recognize the name and some of the history surrounding him. Uh, I mean, Taylor was one. Did you recognize the name at all, Taylor, when, when you saw it? I'm not going to lie. I did not. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as I started reading about him from your notes, I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. So people <laughs> might know him more as that guy. Mm. So uh, James liked to play a little game called D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And uh, nerd. Well, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when he went missing, his case was highly publicized. It was all over the place. Of course, a 16-year-old genius goes missing. And uh, I also say he had asshole parents. Well, the parents hired a guy by the name of William Deere to find their son. And he knew very little about fantasy role-playing games. So when you don't know much about something, of course... Deer theorized that Egbert's disappearance was related to his involvement with Dungeons and Dragons game. <laughs> because he figured it was like fucking Jumanji or what? <laughs> Probably. He knew nothing about it. And he's like, huh, I've heard some stories around here about kids making maps of the tunnels under the school. It's the devil's Maybe. game. Maybe they were playing Dungeons and Dragons and Egbert is still lost underneath the school someplace. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what they were going with. Mm. Yeah. And he was telling the media this. And uh yeah. That the kid was yep. the, the kid was stuck under the school? Yeah. It's all because <laughs> students uh were reported to have played live action sessions of the game in the steam tunnels below the school. Uh Nerd. and they speculated that's where Egbert was. He was injured, stuck in the tunnels under the school. Mm. And then he turned into Freddy Krueger. I probably. But, I mean, you got this 16-year-old kid. I mean, I guess the tunnels underneath the school were quite lengthy. Extensive like tunnel entire, network? Yeah. Like, the entire campus was full of steam tunnels. That just was a maze underneath the school. Hmm. So, I guess they could be lost underneath there for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then, if you're an investigator and you want to get behind and figure out where this kid is lost in his Dungeons and Dragons game underneath the school. You might think, huh, let's call the guy who invented the game. Who, of in, the inventor of Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, Tim Kask. Okay. So that's what the FBI did. The FBI went and got a hold of Tim Kask, and uh, there's a little video here. You want to play video number one? Okay. Tim Kask kind of reminiscing about the case of the boy stuck in the tunnels. Huh. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Make it forbidden and everybody wants it. The greatest case in point was the steam tunnels in Michigan. Dallas Egbert III. Now, I knew Dallas before all this happened. I'd met him at a previous convention up there, and I remembered him because this 15-year-old kid was 
you know, he had flashes of brilliance. Dallas was a very brilliant, unbalanced young man. So brilliant that he skipped several years of school and entered Michigan or Michigan State, whichever one it was, at 15. Because he was the last kid, and his parents were basically, ah, no more kids. <laughs> well, and it just, it, so one of the graphics that he used said that this kid's IQ was measured at 145 at the age of 15. Yeah. Jesus. The kid, there was another thing I read, which I, I didn't double check on, but it said that at the age of 12, he had actually helped write software for Microsoft. Oh, wow. So he was fucking Case smart. Important. He came home one Thanksgiving, had to break a basement window to crawl into the basement to get into his family home because they hadn't told him they'd be in Europe for Thanksgiving. Very troubled. Very troubled. Oh, yeah. So he disappears. And that really started the whole hysteria because they hired this detective who was the biggest sack of cow crap that ever came out of Texas. <laughs> and he was convinced that he was wandering lost and possibly dead in the steam tunnels under the university. Because somebody said once in somebody's hearing that some people apparently went down there and explored through them. Didn't say they were players or anything like that, just some people. So he leaped to, oh shit, they're playing D&D in the steam tunnels and he's lost and dying, poor lad. They were... <laughs> I like yeah. his I like his color commentary about about how stupid this <laughs> detective was. I mean, he speaks very well. That's why I figured we'll just play what he says. Yeah, he's got a great voice too. <laughs> so convinced that Dallas was in the tunnels that they pulled the three bulletin boards out of his dorm room, and state police drove them down to Lake Geneva overnight. They boxed them so that they wouldn't be jostled because they wanted us to interpret the positions of the thumbtacks and pins. And I looked at Gary, I said, are you sending me? No, no, they really mean it. Okay. So I dumped my stuff in my office, came around next door to Gary's office. We spent nine hours looking at those stupid ports. Nothing was there. Nothing. They even gave us big blown up maps of the campus and that to see if it was camp. No. When the poor kid was found later and he wasn't harmed or anything, it's just where he stuck him back in when he took down his papers. That was in the level of hysteria. But it just, sales took off. We doubled our next print runs and doubled them again in half the time that an old print run would have taken. And there it went. And all because a, a troubled young man had just kind of dropped out. He was questioning his sexuality. He was, you know, he, like I said, he was a troubled young man. And so he'd gone and just decided to get his head together and moved in with a couple of uh, lesbian friends of his and just didn't have any idea all this shit was going on out around him. Didn't realize he was missing. Not completely clueless. Wow. So they start this manhunt looking for this kid in the tunnels of the University of Michigan and he had just fucked off. Like he had no idea he, anybody was yeah. even looking for him. Well, I'm going to get to that part of it. But okay. what I found interesting about that there, this is really when the Dungeons and Dragons game takes off is when this kid goes missing. And Tim Cask didn't, he, he relished in it. He wasn't like, no, that's stupid. The kid's not playing Dungeons and Dragons in the tunnel. It sounds to me like he was more like, fuck yeah. Let's roll with this and see how much fucking money I can make off this. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, Pretty I mean, it's much. like all the heavy metal musicians, too, who are like all on the, you know, like oh, all yeah. the Satanists. We're going to, yeah, hail Satan, sure, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. 
But that, that's, that's the part I found weird about that. Now, if you want to know what was really going on with Egbert at this time, hey. on October 15th, 1979, after writing a suicide note, which was in his dorm room, Egbert left his dormitory at Case Hall and entered the university steam tunnels. Uh, and he consumed some mescaline, intending to commit suicide. Uh, but he survived. Uh, suicide attempt was not successful. And after waking up, uh, he went into hiding at his friend's house. And supposedly might have went to a Gen Con conference that was happening uh, at the same time as a, a tabletop role-playing game or conference. Uh, and some people said they might have seen him there. So when I hear uh, Gen Con, I think General Conference here in Utah. <laughs> but this is a D&D thing? Yeah, just a, a, a tabletop role-playing conference. Yeah, okay. Hopefully you didn't hear that. My mic just fell. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, whoop. <laughs> that screw decided not to hold anymore. <laughs> you need some Viagra over there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it it just went <laughs> just straight. Just thinking about Egbert, it just went limp. Let me grab my kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at this time, you know, Egbert is just hanging out with friends. There was... Unlike what the guy said in the video, there was no one, no other source I found that said he was hanging out with a bunch of lesbians. Um, there were sources that did say that he was questioning his sexuality and he was doing a lot of drugs. Um, but that he's, doesn't matter. This is what made D&D popular. He's a college student. That's what happens in college. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You go to college, you question your sexuality, you do drugs <laughs> and, and honestly explore your sexuality and uh-huh. question it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but this this whole time they're searching for him, he just moved around a few houses in the city uh, before leaving for New Orleans. Uh, and that's where in New Orleans, he tried to commit suicide a second time by consuming cyanide, Oof. Uh, which failed. Uh, he then moved to Morgan City, Louisiana, where he was employed as a roustabout. And I had to look up a roustabout. I don't think we call people roustabouts anymore. Yeah, what's that? Uh, basically, it's it's a term that used to get used for like, people that work the circus like you're just working odd jobs handyman jobs for you're you're a a a vagrant worker pretty much you're not not really tied down anywhere uh but he only did that for four days uh before he called deer the investigator told him where he was uh deer traveled to louisiana picked him up uh and basically the only thing egbert asked him was not to tell the truth of his story. Don't tell him what happened. Don't tell him how he was suicidal uh, and all that. So he was back uh, September 13th of 1979. So he wasn't really gone for that long. So why why did he not want... So so Egbert told the cop not to tell anybody where he was or yeah. what was going on? Apparently he told the private investigator not to tell anybody where he was, what was going on, about the suicide attempts, what the real story was. So he kind of let the story of him being lost in the tunnels live on huh. uh, he probably didn't know that story to begin with either um i'm not imagining he was getting on the internet in 1980 to go figure that out yeah uh but unfortunately egbert was successful in committing suicide in 1980 uh he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound yikes yeah so after that william Deere wrote a book called the dungeon master <laughs> Of course he did. Yep. So this whole event inspires him to write a book about this. 
And that book inspires another book called The Mazes and Monsters. I think I've heard of Mazes and Monsters. You probably have. It's it's quite comical. I actually watched the whole thing when I discovered this movie. Oh, I was going to uh, say. I didn't know the story behind it. I was going to say, I think that's a movie, isn't it? But the, so It they, is. They, okay. Yeah, in 1982, Mazes and Monsters was turning it was turned into a movie starring Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. Little baby Tom Hanks. Yeah, like <laughs> Tom Hanks probably doesn't want anybody to see this movie ever. It's fucking bad. Like, is he Share a teenager? <laughs> he well, he is Edgar in the movie. Oh, okay. Not, not the character, but the movie is supposed to be. Kind of like a dramatized version of Edgar's or Egbert's story. Because mm. uh, in that movie, a character gets wrapped up in the game and he thinks the game is real life. Just like the way they're portraying Egbert to think the game was real life playing around in the tunnels underneath the college. Mm. So you want to see part of the movie? Sure. It's fucking funny. <laughs> you might have to mute your mic because you're going to... F- fucking laugh at this (laughs) okay well i've got i've got that here let's see robbie 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 Robbie! pardu what are you doing and this is so so for the listeners this this has tom hanks uh in what looks to be perhaps a members only jacket uh yeah standing on top of the twin towers Oh, okay. That's where he is. And he's looking yep. over the edge uh, and looked like he started to climb over the edge a little bit when this group of, of teenagers came out and started sh- started screaming his name. Yes. I'm going to join the Great Hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough <laughs> points. I am the maze controller. Mazeka? Yes, and I have absolute authority in this game. Game? (laughs) Game. They're all so concerned. Oh, it's just a game? TJ, what am I doing here? Kid, why can't I remember? <laughs> I think I may have seen this movie 20 years ago or so. Yeah, you might have. It it it's it's not good. It's not a good movie by any means. <laughs> so so he so the Tom Hanks's character, you're saying that that is supposed to be Egbert. Yeah. And, and so this was, yeah, this was based off of William Deere's writings in the dungeon master, which inspired the movie and the other book mazes and monsters. Hmm. So wow. that movie ties all the way back to Egbert's story. Awesome. Like, uh, three, four levels of telephone deep at that point. It mm-hmm. is. But the fact that this is what they're, portraying kids at this time is going to happen to them if they play dungeons and dragons like look out you'll get it's it it takes takes over your your soul it takes over your psyche and it's gonna you're gonna get so wrapped up into it you don't won't know what's what's real what's fake and you're gonna jump off a building Hmm. fun fun 
Well, yeah, we'll hear we'll hear lots more about all of this fun satanic panic stuff on the other side of those little break. This is Sarah Ponte Rivera with the Satanic Temple's Gray Faction. You can learn more about Gray Faction at grayfaction.org or find us on our social media account on Twitter and Facebook. And you are listening to the Godless Revolution. This thing is kind of mesmerizing since Mr. Judd lit it up. Look, see right look right there. It looks like a burrito. Where? Let's see, it's moving. I'm not seeing burrito. I actually see a face there, kind of. Maybe John, Paul, Beatles or Getty. I see the Pope's face. Pope John Paul II, he was in at the turn of the century, infallible, obviously, but great at apologizing for historical bad stuff. All I'm seeing is a lot of shiny excrement. I'm sorry, guys. JP was one of the good ones, too. Wasn't even a Nazi in his youth. I'm just not sure a Pope would choose to appear in shit. Wouldn't he pick, like, motor oil or pancakes? Honestly, I see his face. Maybe I'll see you later, Mr. Pope. Since I guess I'm the only one who can. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. And we're back for Satanic Storytime with Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to skip around on my notes here a little bit because I think I think I need to instead of taking this at the end, I need to bring this up right now. I know you've talked about this before, Dan. Yeah. Chick tracks. Oh, I love chick tracks. Not really. I've, oh. they're, they're dumb. Yeah. Yeah. From Mr. Jack. Anti Semitic, anti Dungeons and Dragons. Kids' books. Yeah. Yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, in doing some research, you can still buy them. They still have a website. They still have an active YouTube channel where they're putting out videos all the time for chick tracks. I think um, I think Jack Chick only died like last year, or the year before, like real I recently. Remember, I, yeah, but it's still going on post his death. They're still selling all of his shit. Uh, I forgot to look up when he died. He died in 2016. Yeah, so, so he's been dead for a couple of years. Yeah, longer longer than last year, the year before, but fairly recently still. More like the year before the year before. Yeah. Before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I took the rabbit hole to John Chick and the Chick Tracks, um, they were screaming a whole bunch of satanic shit. Like, I had found a video of them for Halloween. Uh, and the video is basically going over how satanic and evil Halloween is, but you must take part in it if you're a good Christian and hand out chick tracks to all the kids. Oh, you're using the video you found is of Jack Chick and some of his. Oh, no, not Jack Chick. This was oh. this last Halloween, COVID Halloween. Oh, the, so like, who's the they you're talking about then? Who who The people that are running chick track now. Oh, okay. It's a bunch of old guys. So it might have been his friends. Uh so it wasn't John Chick saying that it was the people that are actively running Chick Track right now. But I know that's something that's been a message of theirs for quite a long time that for Halloween, you should handle Chick Tracks. Do kids <laughs> not egg houses anymore? Because <laughs> like, I tell you what, that'd be yeah, you might send, as well just send me back 20 years. I'm going out trick or treating. Somebody gives me a Chick Track instead of a Snickers bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming it. back with a dozen eggs and a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might as well. I'm just- not one. 
for arson, but they might get a, a pile of poop on fire. Uh huh. Yeah, I was gonna say they might as well just paint a giant target on their on their front door. According to them, when I was watching that YouTube thing, they the kids love them. The kids love Chick Tracks. Sure, they do. That's <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> I have yet to meet any kid who has ever liked a Chick Track. Like. I've told the story to at least you, Ryan. Um, I don't know if I'd talked about it on the show, but of a distant relative who we felt sorry for and invited him to Thanksgiving dinner at our house one day or one year and said, you can come over. But we knew that he was like super born again, evangelical, like God is on his mind 24 seven type guy. And said, you're, you're welcome to come over and spend the day for us for the holiday and have dinner and everything with the one condition that you leave the Jesus bullshit at the door. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all you have. Like, do whatever. Just don't be a Jesus freak at the house. Like, leave people the fuck alone. And yeah. he couldn't fucking do it. He started. He was secretly passing out chick tracks to the kids at my house for fucking Thanksgiving dinner. And well, he has not been invited enough. back ever since <laughs> and what and won't be i can i can see why that's fucking yeah. wild yeah fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> you know what oh early early in our relationship um sandra and i were walking down like the the college bar district in our town mm-hmm. and this guy uh was handing out like not chick tracks but something very similar some sort of religious pamphlet and i walk by and he, he goes to hand this one and i grab it and i just throw it on the ground and i was like i'll have another place and sandra looked at me like i had a third fucking eye growing out of my head and she was so mad this was early when we were dating and after about two years of us dating i i brought it up again and she's like yeah now i probably would have done the same thing like hey let me get one of those throw it on the ground like who how do you go through life in america thinking that people haven't heard of jesus before like how do you Oh no, never heard of the guy. Like, nope, not once. What's that weird building? What's that T stand for? Like, what the fuck? I know. That's fucking weird, right? Like, I, I'm so surprised all the time when, when a Christian approaches me, like, well, you just, you just don't know about Jesus. You just haven't been taught. And I'm like, I've probably forgotten more about Jesus and Christianity than you'll ever fucking know. <laughs> Who is this uh, Jesus that you speak? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know Yahweh. <laughs> Are they brothers? <laughs> well, back to my rabbit hole. Yes. So Chick Tracks, he he got some inspiration for his uh, his Satanism and his hate for Dungeons and Dragons uh, from a couple of guys. Uh, one guy was John Todd, and the other guy was Mike Warnecke, uh, which. Me and Taylor were talking about Mike Warnecke earlier, and surprisingly, you kind of knew of him through his comedy, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Quote fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, this it's, is an audio media. Quote yeah. fingers. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's not good. I did search through a bunch of it trying to find a clip to pull up, but none of it was they're all bad dad jokes yeah. wrapped around religion. Yeah. W- one of them literally is you know how everybody parks in a driveway yeah. and drives in a parkway? Park Literally point? one of his jokes. Yeah, it oh, is. Fun. Stand up. Fun. Uh, but he was extremely successful with that. 
Uh, another guy who wasn't so successful. See, these two guys, I think they were, they both had the same mentality. They're both fucking liars and they're both delusional. Only problem is John Todd was a little more delusional. Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with Christianity. I've noticed. It does. Yeah, it does. But these guys were like people. So John Todd, uh, you can still find his fucking videos screaming about this shit on, on the internet, like the craziness he spews, uh, from prison, mind you as well. Oh, uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, but he started doing some speaking engagements in 1968, uh, where he claimed that while he was in the Navy as a witch, but he converted to Christianity while visiting a church in Southern California. Yeah. And in 1969, uh, he joined the army and he was stationed in Germany uh, for just a very few months uh, because he kind of got kicked out for psychiatric reasons and drug abuse and all that good shit. While at the same time, he was claiming to be a Green Beret in Vietnam. So he kind of uh, had a kind of had a mental break, it sounds like. Well, it's it sounds like he was always broken mentally, like he doesn't sound like he's ever been a stable guy. Yeah. Which is why nobody should take what he says serious, especially fucking John Chick. Sounds like he may have been schizophrenic and just not under a yeah. phys- physician's well, it's care. We're talking diagnosis. about drug abuse here in this article yeah, about yeah. it, but it doesn't specify what drug. Which it doesn't. Was it 1970s? So what? Acid or cocaine? Well, right? on the could Jesus have been. Juice. Well, the 60s. He could have been part of some weird experiments, but yeah. that would make him feel good. Mm. But uh, according to Army, Army medical reports, it said he was emotionally inst- uh, emotional instability with compulsive lying, difficulty telling reality from fantasy, homicidal tendencies uh, he made on others, false suicide reports, and several personality disruptions. So, yeah, yeah. this guy was, was sounds, not all there. Yeah, sounds like schizophrenia with a touch of psychosis or yeah, well, more than like he was released oh. from prison. Uh, like he had a six month sentence at one point in prison, but got released after two months due to having epileptic fits. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he sounds like he was just kind of fucked up. Right. Oh, he was and very given a mouthpiece needed, yeah. needed some real medical attention and instead chose, chose the Yahweh. <laughs> kind of. You might disagree with that after this next segment. Yeah, okay. he, did, he did. He he did resurface as a an evangelical Christian community in late 1977. Mm-hmm. This time, claiming the existence of a vast satanic conspiracy led by an order of witches called the Illuminati. Oh, did so? Did he kick off all of the Illuminati stuff? Or is I wonder. Huh, okay, he seems like an early Illuminati type guy. Yeah, I was going to say Illuminati stuff has existed for like a couple long hundred time. years, I think. Yeah, but he was just one of the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because even at one point, he claimed to escape imprisonment while in Germany at the hands of the Illuminati, which is complete <laughs> fucking bullshit. That might be why he was released, because he was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he makes his return in 1977, uh, claiming about all these witches of the Illuminati, he said that it included numbers of Christian organizations and well-known Christian figures such as Jim Baker, Jerry Falwell, Billy Graham, Bob Jones Sr., Oral Roberts, Pat Robertson. He claimed to have given uh, 
Members of the Illuminati, $8 million to Pastor Chuck Smith in the Cavalry Chapel to launch Christian rock industry, which Todd said was a satanic invent, uh, invention to entrap Christian young people into rock music and its demonic beats. Bullshit. Christian rock is not good enough to trap anyone with a demonic no. beat. <laughs> I don't, it can't even keep a beat. <laughs> I was driving with this dude. Nice dude when I was doing military stuff and he was playing some Christian rock and I swear to shit, this Christian rock song said, I love Jesus as a chorus for 45 straight seconds. (laughs) I hate that shit. I can't stand it. It's such bad music. Uh, It's not even, it's not even like Chevelle bad. It's just overall just terrible. Right. Right. And then, Sometimes, rarely, they suck you in. Like, there's one good uh, skillet song, and I was like, oh, this is all right. Look them up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Abort. Yeah. But also, do you know that the Illuminati paid Falwell $50 million? What? Yeah. According to Illuminati gave Falwell a $50 million donation. Well, that's according to Todd. Oh, okay. So it's a very... Good source. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, but he reliable. Also, yeah, he also claimed that Jimmy Carter was the Antichrist, that Ayn Rand's 1957 novel Atlas Shrugged was the Illuminati's blueprints for unleashing a planned satanic takeover. <laughs> How fucked up do you have to be that you hate Jimmy Carter and Ayn Rand? I know. You got you to gotta, you gotta pick one to be friends with. Can't hate both. <laughs> you've, you've disenfranchised uh. everybody. I know, and how dare that Antichrist go and build homes in his elderly years? Yeah, that evil bastard. Evil Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a horrible guy. Antichrist. <laughs> but he also urged Christians to stockpile weapons and food and prepare for the satanic takeover in the 1980s. So wait, he's just a Mormon then? I guess. Or- he's not saying Jesus is going to return. He's saying fucking Satan's coming. <laughs> were you were you still in uh dan because ryan you've you've never been i've never been dan. in were you, were you still in when they did the whole like you need to have a year's supply of food like stockpile i think my church yeah i think my family was in like i i haven't been in in since i was baptized so, so since i was eight years old so basically 40 years so oh wow okay i mean like i'm i'm tangentially in because most of my family is LDS, and so I still hear all of the bullshit about it. But no, I, I well, and I was never a, really a believer, but I haven't like regularly attended church since almost immediately following my baptism. See, my family literally had like 55 gallon drums of water oh, and geez. like an entire like cellar filled with like not quite Jim Baker buckets. Like, oh, yeah, shit was wild. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did, we definitely did too. Like, growing up as a kid. We had the big drums of water. We had the big five-gallon buckets full of fucking oats and rice and fucking uh, pasta. And then we had, you know, my mom was always canning shit like peaches and pears and grapes and, you know, making jellies and all kinds of shit to to have our food storage. Like, if you live in Utah, or even if you don't live here now, but let's say you plan on immigrating to Utah from wherever else— Almost every single home that you go and look at will have some room 
in the house, generally under the front porch, but in the basement yep. somewhere, called their cold storage room, and it's for food storage and shit. That's that's it. That's a like, total Utah don't thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I've got, you know, 10 pounds of rice and some bags of beans, like, in case there's a blizzard, <laughs> but this shit is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Want to hear more yeah. about Todd? Sure. Sorry to derail you. My bad. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Usually that's me. I'm the derailer. I'm trying to get us on the rails, slightly on the rails. Just, just, just all my head talk right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah. yeah, but so Todd, uh, after giving his proclamation that there's, there's going to be a satanic takeover co- coming, uh, he moved to rural Montana after issuing this warning. And in 1983, he was invited to speak in Cedar Falls, Iowa, by a man by the name of Randy Weaver. That name is really familiar. It should be familiar. Randy Weaver Weaver was Ruby Ridge. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying John Todd inspired him to stockpile guns and get ready for this end of the world type situation. But Randy Weaver invited John Todd to come speak. And I got dogs playing behind me now. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so Randy Weaver, who if people might not recognize the name, but you you probably recognize. uh, uh, Yeah. Ruby Ridge. Ruby Ridge. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he stockpiled a bunch of guns and had a war with the FBI for a year. Uh, in which time his son and his wife were shot. I think that was all that was shot and killed besides the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he might've inspired Ruby Ridge. Fun. Yeah. All of these, all of these apocalyptical uh, end times cult kind of people. Yeah. They they all have ties into this kind of bullshit that, you know, if it's not Christianity, it's libertarianism. If it's not libertarianism, it's, you know, some kind of satanic panic thing, or it's some combination mm-hmm. of all of them. Yeah. Well, they, but I mean, they band together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. But John Todd was the one throughout the entire 70s screaming about music and the Illuminati and all these satanic groups coming to get you when we already know he's an unhinged delusional man mm-hmm. and people were listening to him like crazy. Uh, you can, like I said, you can go on YouTube and I think it's, it's about four hours worth of tapes from him in prison. Oh, by the way, he went to prison for raping a woman. Oh, sounds like a swell uh, guy. Yeah. yeah upstanding yeah, he was, citizen. Yeah. He, he wasn't. Mm. Uh, but it's about four hours and I was re- I was looking through the comments and it's crazy the amount of people that were like, oh, I need to repent for listening to this Christian music now. How how could this stuff go on? How do, how do they let people get away with all this? And I'm like, because it's, it's bullshit. None of this is fucking true. Mm-hmm. But the amount of people in the Christian communities who look at this and read it and fucking fall for it is a, it's crazy. He had a big audience. Well, yeah. And they're all primed to believe fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like they're they're all primed to believe in supernatural nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Magical thinking. Uh But Mike Warnecke had an even bigger audience. Mm. His audience was pretty big. He was, Probably the biggest Christian comedian there was doing tours to churches, doing his Christian comedy. Um, and his story almost mimics John Todd's because 
He was in Vietnam. He was a Satanist that got saved while in the military and all this stuff, which later on would come out to be complete fucking bullshit. Of course. Uh, it would take 20 years to unravel a story and find out you lied about fucking everything. But in 1972, he had a bestseller, The Satan Seller. And it was pretty much all about his time being a Satanist and taking part in these rituals and the occult. Uh, I mean, if you want to grab that, the last video in there, if you, well, there's two other videos left sitting in there. Uh, one is just, it's about a minute and a half. It's a kind of a crazy one of John Todd. Well, you got- can hear him screaming his Illuminati shit. It's only the minute says two minutes and 40 second lo- seconds long. Uh-huh. But it's only like a minute that he's actually talking. And then they put some German words in there. Okay. <laughs> this, this is from his, his time in prison when he was putting these out. Okay. Let's see. The Rothschilds, the Rothschilds are a family. Many of you, I'm sure, have seen the three little globes that hang around the pawn shop as the emblem of a pawn shop. That comes from three acorns off the Rothschild family crest. They were moneylenders to begin with in Austria, and they became, which they are now, the largest, the richest family in the world. They are not considered humans by the occult world. They're considered gods. They believe that gods, sons and daughters of Lucifer, dwell in these human bodies. And when the humans die, the Rothschilds die, they go into the next Rothschild born. And they're not to be treated as men. They're to be treated as gods. And believe me, they are treated as gods. Their word is absolute law. That's the Rothschilds. They created, they founded the Illuminati, and they, not, many people can't understand why a family of Rothschilds 200 years ago, it's actually, it's actually three because they existed 100 years before their birthday, would create a conspiracy for a takeover that they never hoped to see fulfilled. Well, that's because witches believe in reincarnation, and they believe that they would be alive during that time to see it happen. This may seem funny to your ideas, but when you're raised in it, it's absolute truth to witchcraft people. Yeah. So yeah, that's you, that's some of the lunacy he was preaching. Well, and, and I have to say, like, speaking a little bit of German, reading the, like, subtitles that go into this, knowing the movie from which that audio, the, the music that was playing in the background, um, it comes from, uh, like, a little art film called The Fountain with uh, Hugh Jackman and Rachel oh, Weisz. Yeah. Um, I strongly suspect being, like, somewhat of a subject matter expert in, like, like white supremacy stuff. Um, this is probably like a friendly video to what he's putting out. Like this, this oh, yeah. video itself on YouTube is probably trying to recruit people to like a couple stages removed from anti-Semitism. Cause oftentimes like Illuminati and Rothschild stuff in particular is, is like the gateway to get conspiracists into anti-Semitism. So that's kind of wild to see, like, in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's true because the whole the whole conspiracy theory behind the Rothschilds trying to start the new world order uh, with their satanic cabal and everything is just an anti-Semitic lie. Hmm. Yeah, the, they're they're a very wealthy Jewish family. There's nothing else behind it but he yeah, was the, the first time I'd heard. like the george soros before there was george soros like yeah in terms of the, the zeitgeist hi this is justin schieber formerly of the reasonable doubts podcast and currently of real a theology and you are listening to the godless revolution 
like a screenshot from the Bible. So when does this uh, caca papa appear? Any second now. It's every 90 minutes. Yeah, you can set your watch by it. Although I prefer to use the onboard ah, time. Ah, there he is. Bless you. I wish I could kiss his ring. Can you see it, Billy? The descent into barbarism? Yeah, I can see that clearly. The Pope, I do not see. No, I didn't see it either. But I can see the joy that his face puts on their faces. I don't understand. Joy, it's a, it's a human emotion. It used to be quite popular. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! God is dead! Mike Warnke is a former Satanist. Today he's a successful comedian, preaching Christianity in the form of humor. But back in the 60s, he was one of Satanism's high priests. Uh, the things that you would see in a satanic altar. He showed us what a satanic temple might resemble, and typical implements used to worship the devil. The bones usually are used in a ceremony that calls for uh, telling the future with the bones or a part of the deceased person. He also explained what attracted him to Satanism. I was basically drawn into it uh, when I was young, just wanting to be somebody special. I just wanted to, to be different than everybody and have something that was special that everybody, you know, looked up to. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's special, all Here's, right. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about Mike. He's full of shit. Oh, I never would have guessed that. Yeah, it turns out that his whole life story that he preached on and did comedy on was complete fucking bullshit. So he just created this whole alternate reality and and fictional persona. Well, yes, but he also fucking profited off of it handsomely. Like he was filling venues with his his comedy, his preaching, his telling his story about you know, surviving Satanism and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he sold multiple books, uh, but it was complete bullshit. Uh, the problem with it being complete bullshit is people like investigators and cops all took his account seriously. And they believe there actually was an underground world of satanic human sacrificing or human sacrifices and blood rituals that he was telling them about. Awesome. So, He's yeah. he's come along at a time where everybody's primed to believe in this satanic cult shit that's going around, and he plugs himself in as, oh, yeah, no, this really happens oh, because yeah. I was expert. that guy. Yeah. I, I was there. I lived it. I know all about this, and I can tell you about it, and I can tell you what to look for. Awesome. Well, that, 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 that leads to a few problems. Um, people start getting arrested for shit mm-hmm. and tying it back to satanic rituals. Uh, a lot of us probably remember the uh, West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said that was a satanic ritual they were doing. They eventually got let out uh, because it wasn't a fucking satanic ritual. So who who were the Memphis Three for people who may not be familiar? Uh, the Memphis Three were three teenagers in West Memphis who got charged with the murder of three other boys uh, in the woods. Uh, and they were kind of like... They were the heavy metal kids, uh, pretty much everything that they were preaching about saying were Satanists. They kind of looked like, and they kind of played it up a little bit too. They were fucking 16, 17 and 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem Listening was to heavy metal walked, music and shit. Uh, 
Well, but they played up the whole like everyone's like, oh, you're a Satanist. We're like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, we're Satanists. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> I mean, they're teenagers, uh, but it didn't help. I mean, even if you watch the documentaries, uh, Paradise Lost, when they're young, they're like, well, we didn't think we would actually go to jail because we didn't do it. We were just having fun. Mm. Like, they're like, how can you put us in jail? We didn't do it. But they went to jail for 18 years. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Clifford St. Joseph, who you might not have heard about, wasn't as lucky as the West Memphis Three. Uh, he went to jail and didn't get out. Well, we don't know. Me and Taylor were trying to find that earlier. We don't know if he got out, if he died. We couldn't find that history on him. All we know is that he served out his sentence in jail. So he, um, how long, how long was he in prison? He was in prison. His sentence was 35 years. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but from the article, what was he? He was in his 60s in this article from 2002. Yeah, yeah. So I've got an article from the San Francisco Weekly that was yeah. published in 2003, and he was 62 years old and had only done, I want to say, like, God, like 16 years of a 34-year sentence. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. He was convicted and in prison in 1987. This crime happened in 1985. That segment from 2020 we just listened to was from 1985, a month prior to this murder. Yep. Sorry. Autoplay. Find it, Dan. Find it. I fucking love autoplay on... Did you find it? God damn it. Yeah, I did. Sorry. I'm sorry. Don't worry, Is people. that from my article? Apologize. <laughs> no, that was from the New York Times site that I had just pulled up and autoplayed an ad. I fucking love when shit like that happens. Auto Autoplay is fucking awful. Everybody who programs their websites with autoplay of anything should be dragged out and told not to do yeah. that anymore. <laughs> I, I shot you a link of that uh, San Francisco Weekly. Okay. Yeah. The, but I mean... Taylor and I were going through these articles and the information we could find on him. Uh, and not only is the Satan part of this bullshit of a satanic cult doing this. Uh, we also think that uh, St. Joseph was innocent. Oh, well that he didn't yeah, I mean, do it, anything at all. Yeah. It, it kind of points to that. Like the, so from the articles that we've read um, St. Joseph, like there, there's no actual physical evidence to show that he did that except for like, a few drops of blood in his apartment that don't actually DNA test to the victim. And like, I don't know if you have ever cut your finger before, (laughs) you know, but like most people have probably traces of blood in their home. Um, There's no real direct evidence except for Ryan. You were saying um, one of his cellmates who said that he had done it. Um, Yeah. Let me scroll down. But it, it very much looks like this guy may have been like, and again, like indemnifying myself against some future stuff that comes out that absolutely shows this guy does it right. But um, it looks like this guy may have just been like living in the wrong neighborhood as an openly gay man. Yeah. And then they wanted to find something to pin to him. Like, that's kind of what this case looks like. Oh, wow. Um, and if it's possible, like, let's include the article in the show notes. Um, so that people can read through the whole thing, because I think it would be onerous to try and read through this whole article. But it looks very much like this was just a gay man who is not well liked by his community because he was kind of eccentric, like some fabulous men are. 
Yeah. And uh, they pin something on him. And the the problem with St. Joseph that he well, it wasn't really a problem. This People probably didn't like the way he lived his life because he had a very open house and he let some rather unsavory men stay with him in his house, uh, including Bork, who, if I remember reading back in this article, he was an escaped convict from uh, from Canada. He's also a musician. And he had also had someone he had tortured previously from the charge in Canada where he had uh, scrolled a pentagram into the guy's chest and he tortured the guy. How uh, did, how, did you, he scroll? Did you say he scrolled a pentagram? Yeah, he carved a pentagram into a guy's chest. Ooh. This is something Bork had already done to someone in Canada. Uh, Bork was also the only eyewitness. And he was the first one to come forward and say, yep. St. Joseph did this. He helped me. I helped him get rid of the body. But Bork was also given partial immunity against being prosecuted for helping dispose of the body and the cleanup of Doe's blood. Okay, so the the person that was murdered, they were never identified. So he's always referred to as uh, John Doe 60, probably the 60th murder at the time. So how do they? Oh, so they just they found a body and then tied it back to these guys or or pinned it on them anyway. Well, uh, Bork says they, they, well, I think Bork is the one who probably did actually do commit the murder Mm -hmm. uh, because he had had previous crimes that looked like this and the victim's arms were tied behind his back with guitar strings and Bork was a musician, played the guitar Mm. and was staying at St. John's place or St. Joseph's house at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And St. St. Joseph says he wasn't there. He was at work. He had fucking knows nothing about this murder uh so it's plausible that bork might have killed this guy and disposed of the body and blamed it on saint joseph wow so that gets saint joseph into jail now while in jail he's in a cell with william mccray uh who was awaiting trial and he testified uh about saint joseph that saint joseph talked frequently about satanism uh uh was ah i'm I'm going to the wrong place i'm all over the place on this one it's a long article <laughs> i'm a little uh, I got it. uh during cross-examination mccray admitted that joseph's uh saint joseph's legal documents had been stored in a box under his mattress in the cell he said that he'd probably touched them but insisted he'd never read them mm-hmm Obligatory pause. Um, McCray also maintained that he wasn't rewarded, uh, being rewarded for testifying, yet he was released on his own recognizance after giving a statement about St. Joseph to Detective Napoleon Hendricks. Um, McCray said that he had been released because he received threats from other inmates. But um, uh, Ryan, you were saying that most of the time they just move him to another cell block for that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't tell you're like, oh, you're being picked on. We'll let you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that sounds like a bullshit, a, a, a total line of bullshit. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, people are being really mean to me. Can uh, can I just go home now? Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, they, they tied this to a couple other things where Bork and them were still in the house where they had a person survived uh, torture and raping. Um, but yeah. St. Joseph is the only person imprisoned to have been tied to a satanic cult that murdered a person. And the other thing that's weird about it is if you have a satanic cult murdering people, why is he the only one imprisoned? 
And he's the only person proclaiming his innocence the entire fucking time being like, I'm not a Satanist, nothing to do with Satan. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Hey. Yet he was imprisoned as a satanic cult leader. Well, and he wasn't the only person who was imprisoned because of the satanic panic. I mean, it ruined a no, lot of people's lives. It, it did ruin a lot of people's lives. But uh, like if you go back to like like we had mentioned the West Memphis Three. They their case did revolve around Satanism, but they were released and it kind of been like, yeah, well, you're not Satanist. Uh, same thing with a lot of the daycare workers that got put in prison for all that bullshit. They all got their cases thrown out because it was all bullshit. This yeah, case, Saint Joseph hasn't out. been exonerated. Yeah, this case was never exonerated being tried, saying that he was running a satanic cult, murdering people in San Francisco. Oh, wow. So that's why I found it interesting. A lot of times, a lot of those other cases, uh, they get exonerated. They're like, nope, this whole satanic panic bullshit is fucking bullshit. Uh, we need to get rid of it. Hmm. Now, an interesting thing I'd found on Vox, there were police training videos in the 90s that referred back to this case and how evil St. Joseph was and how he ran this satanic cult. And this is how they murdered people and mutilated them and signs to look for when you're investigating a satanic cult. Yeah. Hmm. A guy that probably had nothing to do with Satanism. And uh, they use him as a case example for how evil Satanists are. <laughs> with, when there's no real evidence, no evidence that he was a Satanist at all. Nope. Or that he even committed evidence. a crime or necessarily. You get to have hearsay from, from uh, convicted drug addicts trying to get out of prison saying that this guy is a Satanic cult leader. And he's like, no, I'm not. I don't know where the fuck you're getting this from. Well, it's coming from people that normally would not be able to sit on a stand. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, and then who say that they did, that they didn't receive anything in return for their testimony against this person, but oh, they were released from jail. We're pretty sure they did because uh, William McCree, he didn't have, he got let out of jail. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was given, uh, he was doing, cause he thought he was going to get a lesser sentence or not be prosecuted for helping dispose of the body. In the end, he actually did get, uh, some jail time for a completely different crime. He thought he wasn't going to, but he didn't get in any jail time for this. Uh, cause he was already in jail on another crime and he thought he was going to be let out early for helping out with this. Mm-hmm. He just avoided another conviction. So yeah, they both definitely did the people that came forward with the evidence definitely did uh profit off of it so mm. yeah yeah well and it helps the prosecutors to have a slam dunk case yeah able to put someone away for a crime and like doesn't matter whether or not the person did it but you know it gives them a sin eater for that yeah so that makes sense like from the prosecutor's perspective I mean, I mean especially if you're going to a jury trial the very scary thought of he's a satanic leader yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Well, thank you guys both for, for doing all the research and putting so much time into, into preparing all of this material. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for doing it. That's, that's so helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I hope the rabbit hole I took everybody down was an okay one. Yes. Yes. It was a very fun adventure. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us tonight. And, 
for listening to the show and uh, for being generally awesome peoples. Thank you, Taylor, for joining us tonight. I, I know I should have prepared something better for introducing you to the first episode that you're going to be uh, a regular on. I just ran out of time. And so I apologize for you. You deserved a much better introduction. Um, nah, no, I don't. I'm but- just a guy. <laughs> well, well, what do you want to talk about next week, Taylor? Um, well, if it's okay with the two of you, um, when I was doing some of the background research on this, um, to just kind of be able to pitch in, um, I found a lot of stuff linking, uh, like this satanic panic that happened to kind of QAnon stuff that has happened more recently and more broadly, like this kind of thing, people being concerned about pedophilia, corruption of the youth, um, like cults. And that sort of thing seems to be like an overarching reactionary trend that's happened over and over again throughout Western society. And so if it's cool to two of you, I think what I'll do is is just kind of come next week with more on that as like kind of a, a part two of like, OK, satanic panic happened. It's happening now. And it's just its name is QAnon now. And it's been happening for 2000 years every time people get upset about changes happening in society uh, in society so i think that's what i'm going to come with next week if that's cool with y'all that sounds yeah that sounds fucking awesome i look forward to that very very much um yeah that's that's exciting i'm 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 over here doing a little little happy dance in my chair because that's (laughs) that's very cool i'm excited about that um Thank you all very much for tuning in. Thank you guys for participating tonight. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, we'll have Taylor kick us off tonight. All right. Thank you, Alan Firth. Christy Kalbach. Steven Andrus. Two Skeptical Chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Ollie Olson. John McCullough. Tiffany Hudson. Sinead Duffy. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Let them eat coffee. Jeff Peterson. Corey Ebert. Megan Mitchell. Freethinker215. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savid Acuna. Uh, Taylor Grin? Who's that, that, that guy? weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would land on you. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Purple Dragon. Nico Gonzalez. Chad Pryor and Itchy and Scratchy want you to please support the Secular Coalition for America and Camp Quest. Thank you all very much. If you, dear listener, would like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode for fun things like extended episodes, bonus materials, early releases of episodes, uh, and some other fun stuff that we've got in the works. And you can also contribute to us through PayPal if you so desire by sending us money uh, at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. That's up. That's it. That's all. That's all I got. Uh, Also, (laughs) uh, rate and like on iTunes and any other media sources that you may have smash that subscribe button. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I wouldn't mind if you left us a review and, Hug the Satanists because we're we're still cuddly. Well, thank you both very much. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Oh, first, uh, so welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me. <laughs> and can yeah. we call you our?
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know what that refers to. I know. <laughs> <laughs>